Hey all you nostalgic princes, welcome to 9021 Here We Go, the podcast that takes a look at each episode of the Beverly Hills 90210 franchise from Fox to the CW. I'm Nick Gunning, the 9021 expert, but I'm alone today because Kendra is out of town. So rather than leaving your feed empty, we thought we'd plop in an episode of my library podcast, How's Things? This is a show I do every other week for the David A. Howe Public Library. Now, June is Pride Month, and I wanted to share a special episode we did in 2021 where my friend Bo Hutchings and I take a look at Casey McQuiston's book, Red, White, and Royal Blue, and do it as sort of a Pride Month book club. Bo is one of my oldest friends and also a 90210 fan from back of the day, and we do get into it uh, just a little bit about the show and other things. Now, we've got another one for 2022. Bo and I are going to be looking at Stephen Rowley's book, The Gunkle, which I think is partly inspired by MAME or Anti-MAME uh, by Patrick Dennis, the book, lots of plays and movies and things based on that. Uh, so looking forward to that. So if you enjoyed this episode where we talk about Red, White, and Royal Royal Blue, pop over to How's Things uh, at soundcloud.com slash all the books or anywhere you get your podcast and listen to Bo and I uh, do our Pride Month book club for 2022. But anyway, here it is, our 2021 episode on Red, White, and Royal Blue. Thanks for tuning in to House Things, a podcast and radio show from the David A. Howe Public Library, recorded right here in Wellsville, New York. Uh, I'm excited because it's not Christmas, but my old friend Bo Hutchings is back with us. Bo, welcome back to Podcast Land. Hey, girl. Hey. <laughs> you hey. Want, you want to go with that? We're going to stick. Yes, okay. queen. All right. Okay. All right. That's fine. This is your first non-Christmas appearance, so... You know, that's been our number one complaint from fans. They're like, we want more Bo, but we can't listen to the Christmas episodes when it's not Christmas. They needed a year-round episode. You only you only know. bring me out at Christmas and during Pride Month. Yeah, well, so. you know, I, I like my holidays. That's, and I'm that's very festive, you so are. I come around for the, the high holy holidays. <laughs> this and uh, Christmas and gay pride. Just the two. Just, Just the, the two. two. Okay, so not like if I called on a Halloween, that would be a no. Uh, that could be pretty gay. That could be pretty. <laughs> okay, so you we can make that it. one gay. You yeah. consider it? Okay. Yeah, I think so. Get All ready right. for the gay puns, by the way. I'm. I was born, and ready. I can say it because oh. I'm queer. Okay. All right. <laughs> okay. All right. I didn't want to make any assumptions. You know. Wow. Um. Boy. Well. I mean, all that lead up. It, I barely. I have to mention the fact that it's our Pride Month Book Club episode. We're going to be talking about Red, White, and Royal Blue by Casey McQuiston. This is a podcast special that we're doing, and also in person, in the library, you can join us for a book club uh, on the 22nd at 3.30. We're going to be talking about this book, and we do have some sign-ups. It has been flying off the shelf, so I hope you'll join us for that. Uh, before we get to the to the main segment, though, let's, uh, let's open up our books, see where the bookmarks are. So outside of Red, White, and Royal Blue, Bo, have you read anything interesting lately? I read um, My Grandmother's Hands by Resma. Um, I'm blanking on his last name. I should have been more prepared. That's okay. Um, it's, only, <laughs> it's only Christmas and, you know, Pride Month, so you're out of practice. And I read that after the Christmas book, so between then and Pride. Okay. So the uh, uh, winter, end of winter, beginning of spring, and I read it as a part of our book club at my um, organization. We have an equity and diversity branch of our 
department and we would meet every Friday and discuss it. And it was just fascinating. It's um, just talks about like how we pass along generational trauma through mm. our bodies from way back when to now and how oh, it wow. just has like affected black bodies, uh, white body and police body. It's all, you know, it talks mm. about the police body trauma too, which was very, very fascinating. And it was a great book club book and to get into discussions about that topic was um, really important. So that yeah. was the last, um, it, it was, it was um, a great read and Resma is, he's just fantastic. So I highly recommend it for those who have not. Can you it. say the title again? My Grandmother's Hands. My Grandmother's Hands. Okay. How often does this book club meet? Was it just a one-time thing or is it an ongoing? Well, we just met, like I said, the end of winter, beginning of spring. Um, for uh, It was like every Friday and we would cover three or four chapters. Oh, and, okay. Uh, I've never actually yeah, done a book club a like bit. that that's like progressive. I've only done ones that were like, we've all read the book. Now let's talk about it. Yeah, this organization is wonderful and we um we deal with people who are trauma informed and building resilience in youth. So it's all very centered around that and it was it was a great choice for us and we had a lot of clinicians on the team with great insight on trauma and how you pass it, you know, yeah. from your family on. Oh, yeah. And, but yeah, I would like to be involved in more book clubs. We just don't have anything scheduled mm-hmm. as of yet. Mhm. The library system uh, just in last year started a diversity and equity uh, committee, and we've we've done we're doing like an every other month book club. And the first one was White Fragility, uh, which was an interesting read, and the second one was The Water Dancer by Ta-Nehisi Coates, which is is fiction, and that was one of those books where it's like while reading it, I wasn't particularly enjoying it just as like a piece of fiction. But then we, uh, Sally Jacoby Murphy and I did a podcast episode about it. And then we did the system wide book club and we just talked about the book for hours and hours. So it was like retroactively, you know, really a good experience reading it, but like it didn't come out just how in depth and how thought provoking it was until we were kind of like pulling at it, uh, in the book club. So it's interesting the way that happens. Yeah, sometimes you step away from it and then you just mull over it. And yeah. You, you, and having the discussion brings things to light, which is for sure um, the best part about a book club. And I can't wait to get into this frothy little novel with you <laughs> and see what comes. What out. a transition that was! I was just going to say, I wish you, I wish you would have come with something a little lighter because the two books I was going to talk about are, you know, the epitome of of easy reads. So I'm just going to do it. You know, no judgment. I'm going to tell you some of the stupid things I've read recently. One, and this is disappointing because I didn't like it, but I read I Shouldn't Even Be Doing This and Other Things That Strike Me as Funny by Bob Newhart. Are you a Bob Newhart fan? Sure. I watch the show every now and then. Okay. Bob Newhart, I think, is hilarious. And, like, I've heard him on podcasts and, you know, like, heard the albums and shows and everything. So funny. But what I learned in this book is that it must be, like, 90% delivery because just a dry reading of, of his humor and, like, some of his bits <laughs> – written out was just like this is so it was a, it was a very boring read so i felt really bad like reading about newhart things so low but i don't think it translated well oh that well you know what I, I was gonna say i feel like he holds up in appearances yeah but i i don't know how he holds up on the page so yeah, yeah. maybe i mean if he did an audio read do you think it would have like, oh definitely a little bit yes, better I, yes i think he could have sold it 100 that's what i mean it's like without his voice and his delivery though it just doesn't have the same pizzazz so maybe you just don't get it hmm. maybe you just don't have the pizzazz and the delivery well you've given me a lot to think about and i'm gonna i'll reread it and i'll circle back by christmas yes and i'll you tell do you that. 
Uh, the other thing I read, so I was traveling recently, and so I wanted something light for the plane. And one of my go-to cozy, guilty pleasure kind of reads is the Murder, She Wrote series. I assume you watch Murder, She Wrote, the reruns every day. Well, not every day, every other day. Every other day. But of course I'm a fan of Murder, Murder She yeah. Done Sat Down and Wrote. So yes. the, <laughs> that's the full title. Uh, <laughs> these books, I mean, there's there's like 60 of these books, and they've been going since like the 80s. So, you know, decades longer than the series ever went. This was book 51, The Murder of the Twelve, and then the author on this one was John Land. And it was like they all get snowed in at a big hotel and there's a wedding that's supposed to happen there. And it becomes a very like Agatha Christie sort of situation. You know, a lot of uh, and then there were none kind of references. Didn't work. You know what I'm Thumbs kind down. of interested in? Tell me. And I'm sorry you did not enjoy that story, but mm-hmm. I would be really interested in a Golden Girls murder she done sat down and she wrote yes. merge. Yeah. Kind of, um, what are they called when they would combine shows? Like a like mashup that? or a crossover? Yeah. A crossover. Yeah. Why didn't that happen? I don't know. Because I was thinking about that episode in Golden Girls where they go to the... Um, I guess it's like a it's an old Victorian home but could be like a mansion and there was a murder mystery dinner in the parlor and I was like oh that would be so fun if you know in walks um what's her name again Angela Lansbury Jessica Fletcher Jessica Fletcher yeah yeah. I was gonna say Beverly I mean that's Um, uh that's that's a no-brainer though because I mean B. Arthur and Angela Lansbury obviously lifelong friends because of MAME was in buddies yeah yeah that would have been fun but so, so you don't recommend that story, but there's a whole series of them, right? Lots of them are good. Yeah. I feel like most of them I've liked, but a few of them are stinkers. And this one I would put in the, uh, the stinker category. So, so when you read the book, are you imagining Angela Lansbury at every turn? Of course. Yeah, you have to. You're required to. So when yeah. you when you read Agatha Christie and you get into – it's uh, Ms. Marple. Yes. Is that the character? Mm-hmm. Do you, who do you imagine playing Ms. Marple in a movie? And I, they probably have, right? Oh, sure. Angela Lansbury's played Ms. Marple uh-huh. in things. Yeah. You know, I'm not a huge Agatha Christie fan. I don't know. I love mysteries. You know, I've, I've done, I was in the mousetrap on stage and I liked that, but I don't particularly like her style. I don't even know if I'm allowed to say that Slam. on the podcast, but yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. I, I, don't, like... I don't have a perfect casting for Ms. Marple. Do you? Um, I was thinking about, um, that, uh, Imelda from the Harry Potter series, Imelda Staunton or something like that. She plays the evil headmistress in the Harry Potter series and she's a British oh, actor. Oh, okay. I can yeah. picture who you mean. Yeah. Yeah. She's yeah, okay. like very sweet, but she can also get like really wicked. Yeah. 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 I don't yeah. know why I picture, yeah, I picture, um, like a younger, version of a Ms. Marple. And you spend a lot of time fan casting Ms. Marple? Um, Is that only a pandemic on hobby or weekends? Okay, weekend. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a weekend hobby, a Friday night. Nothing okay. gets crazier than a Friday night imagining an Agatha Christie remake. You know, I don't know how people stayed in touch uh, with, with distant friends pre-podcasts, you know? Like, whenever I miss old friends, I just come up with a podcast to have them on, and then it That is out. truly the only time that we talk, like, uh, yeah. on your podcast. yeah. So I have to keep doing it. It's the only well, way. Well, I guess I better keep reading. I guess so. Yeah, so I'm helping you. You're helping me. I'm helping you. Help me you help know? you. How long have we been friends? Have we worked uh, out this number before? Oh, man. It's 20 so, plus years because I was in high school. 20 plus years? Mm-hmm. Just about. Because yeah. I was, yeah, because I, I wasn't even, I wasn't even driving age yet yeah. when we did Meet Me in St. Louis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going into um, eight great because i went to alaska that summer so what That's i was right. like thir- i was probably 13 when yeah. We met. yeah 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 <gasps> 
Wow. Yeah. That's so weird to be, to say 20 plus years. I mean, I have friends that I grew up with that we've been friends for. Oh, well, it's not a competition, but you years, know, but yeah, <laughs> no pressure. Yeah. Wow. To put a number on it really stings. Yeah, I guess so. I didn't get look you at, anything. Look at us now. I hope that wasn't a, I showed up. You did. Yeah. You're here. I turned on zoom for you. Yeah. And I appreciate it. I appreciate on it. On a okay. work day. Uh, what about, uh, you watching anything good movies, shows? So I am really into HBO series. Okay. Do you have HBO? Uh, we did. We're probably going to get it back. We don't have it at the moment. I feel like you got to get it back. I they know. just do it. The, they do it's so it. so expensive. It's like it the is. most expensive of the streamers. It is. And I honestly, I, I bought it because I really was getting excited for the Sex and City reboot. Mm. Hey, right? Yeah, Can you really keeping it on brand. Good for you. Can you believe Sam? Uh, or uh, Sam? Can you believe Kim Cattrall, though? I mean, doesn't she hate Sarah Jessica Parker? That's the, you know, that's the, the T. Yeah. Um, I'm going to throw out the gay term, so that's the T. Okay. Um, no shit. What does that mean? I've never heard that one. You never heard that? No. What's the T? Yeah. Oh, my God, girl. So <laughs> I'm here to learn. Yeah. So it's like it, it came back from the day of like the, um, I, I want to say like the ball culture in the 80s in New York. And they okay. were like, they would do Vogue competitions and sure. stuff, but they also had their own turns of phrase. So like drag performers or queer artists um, came up with like a whole vocabulary and spill the tea would mm-hmm. mean, give me the dirt, I give see. me the gossip. Okay. So what's the tea? What's the gossip? What's oh, I the get dirt? It. Okay. Yeah. All right. No tea, meaning I'm not really like gossiping on you, but I kind of am. So. Right. No okay. tea, no shade. Okay. No see, tea, no shade. This is an educational podcast. It's Pride and Month, so, I Well, thank you. Yeah. We got to broaden. We got to broaden those horizons. Okay, so that's so that's the dirt. Do you think there's another reason why she's not doing it? Um, I don't know. Contractual mumbo jumbo, but she's not coming back. So hmm. anyway, I'm still interested to see how they're going to pull it out. But that being said, my favorite show recently. Oh, we're done was... with Sex in the City, though. We're we're moving. Past well, it hasn't Sex even started. Okay. Oh, yeah. So I got HBO because I was excited about it and then yeah. realized they haven't even started filming it yet. Mm-hmm. So, Do you know that I've read all the Sex and the City books? Really? How about that? Yeah, I've read Sex and the City, which is like more... Have you read the? Have you read that? No, like the original one by Candace Bush now? Yes, and it's not... I mean, that's not really a novel. That's more like short essays, sort of right. about like life. Um, Lipstick Jungle by Candace Bushnell is a real novel, and that was also a show for a while. I liked that one. And then there's two YA Carrie Bradshaw novels, which are a lot of fun. And then they made that CW show that nobody liked based on it. Based on Carrie Bradshaw. So weirdly, I'm more familiar with the books than the actual shows. Because I've never seen the show. Um, It's, you know, they're fun. They're lighthearted. Do they hold up? Mm. No. They don't. Okay. So like a revisit now would not. It's fun to watch, but you cringe. I mean, like where we've come you know with what we present on tv it's like it's just i cannot believe that they got away with saying a lot of those things mm. and just the stereotypes that they encounter oh, okay it's like if you watch any of our teen movies from the early 2000s yeah like how often do they throw around like a gay slur sure. and make it like or make like the gay character like a complete joke and you know it's like very that with with, with sex and city which yeah. is interesting because michael patrick king created it and he himself identifies as a gay man okay so, um, it, right, that's who created it, Michael Patrick King. I might be mixing up two people. Is that not Darren Star? Darren Star. Okay. Yeah, but Michael Patrick King maybe show ran it or wrote okay. some of it and directed. Well, it I mean, speaking of Darren Star, I do a nine hundred two and O podcast with my friend Kendra, and that's you know, so that's also like a big nineties, obviously primetime show versus Sex and the City was HBO always, right? Yes, it but was. But nine hundred two and O, 
it's like whenever they try to tackle like a, an issue, we cringe because it's like, oh, they're not going to stick this landing at all. <laughs> so those episodes were kind of like, this is a hard one to watch, you know. So that's uh, that's the perils, I think, of, of going back and revisiting that kind of thing. And that was Darren Starr? Yeah. Wow, yeah. he tackled all the hardest. Yeah, Melrose Place. Poorly. Melrose Place, Models Inc., the whole, the whole, uh, whole kit and caboodle. So did you guys get through the whole series? Of no, we just now? finished uh, season four out of ten. So nice. we got a way to go. Out of, out of ten. Yeah. But who's counting? Yeah, no, I don't know. <laughs> that would be a fun one to, to deep dive into again because I was obsessed with that as a kid. And... Were you really? How did I yeah, not know this? before oh. I went before I went to bed every night, I just remember laying sideways and watching it all sideways. Yeah. And and I was obsessed with the Tory Spelling and uh, Green, um, Brian Austin Green, yeah, Brian Austin Green, Donna David, shit. classic. Yeah. Well, yeah. what's what's really fun is that like I I was the same way. I mean, I watched every episode when it was on. And like, just know it all. Like, it's just all in my head. Like, I could just—it's all in my head. Kendra has never seen a frame of it before we started the podcast, and so that's, oh, that's fun. That's like the gimmick. She just uh, so she just made all her predictions for season five of Nine Hundred Two and Zero, and it's pretty fun because she's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> of course, how bizarre it must be to enter that show where we're at like i said nowadays and watch it so fresh yeah and to, i wonder I, I oh to watch it again like that would, must be so fun for or well to watch it for the first time that must yeah. be fun for her but tonally i just wonder what she thinks of it i'm just so she's interested. loving it i mean i was nervous yeah. about it too because like i have all the built-in nostalgia for it so her watching it for the first time but she is all of the things that were huge in the 90s, you know, like the Dylan-Brenda relationship and everything, she's just 100% on board for. So it's kind of fun. Oh, that's so sweet. I mean, listen, yeah. Bo, all the episodes are available. You can listen to it anytime you want. Oh, Your episodes of yeah. the podcast? Yeah, yeah. Can I listen to the episode and watch the episode on TV at the same time? Maybe mash them up? Yeah, you could. Yeah, oh, like rolling minutes. commentary yeah. throughout yeah. the episode. Yep. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, you but know, that's, that's a different show. You were talking about HBO before I took us down weird rabbit holes. No, no, no never weird. Mm -hmm. But I am into like the ser more serious uh, HBO shows now. Okay. And I just finished Mare of Easttown. You've that's, heard of that one? You know, I have. And that's one of the reasons where I'm like, we've got to get it back because it's what everybody's talking about. And so we haven't seen it. It's fun. It's uh, Kate Winslet, who just knocked my socks off she was incredible um and she does that weird philly accent that <laughs> john travolta tries in hairspray the movie i love it but she she nails it yeah. um and jean smart plays her mother and jean smart is obviously having quite the moment now yes seriously this is her time because she's yeah. also in my other favorite new hbo show hacks mm -hmm, mm -hmm. where she plays like a joan rivers character and awesome. um they kind of match up the um more like old school style comedy with a new writer from, you know, the, yeah. the hipster kind of yeah. <laughs> mentality. I don't, I don't know that Gene Smart ever really went out of style, but I sort of feel like it was Watchmen on HBO that kind of right. brought her back really. So like kind of a new crowd being like, let's get on this Gene Smart train. Yeah. I mean, I remember from the Brady Bunch movie too, her little cameo where she was like, Try, she was always hitting on Peter, the middle son. Yes. Okay, I do remember that. <laughs> she wanted to bang the dad. Hey. Like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's all coming back to me now. Speaking of crossovers that should have happened, why was there never a Designing Women Golden Girls crossover? I mean, that seems obvious too, right? Those were the two hot shows of the you time. To. You had to, yeah. Um, 
yeah, that I was telling, I was just telling a friend of mine about designing women. He Mm -hmm. did not grow up knowing about it. And Mm -hmm. it was, it was, it was strange trying to explain. I couldn't, I couldn't really, I knew that Delta Burke. Realtors? What do they do there? Good question. I think they run a, well, they run a design business. Oh yeah, you're right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That makes sense with the title. Not much more. There's a, but there's an iconic moment from that show in like the gay canon i'll say okay and anytime you go to a gay bar they'll play like music videos of madonna lady gaga like the you know cliche kind of music that we might enjoy Mm -hmm. and yes i am (laughs) stereotyping but then they'll play like iconic gay moments from pop culture and one of them is dixie carter and she's giving this big speech (laughs) to this beauty queen this beauty queen who is mean to her sister played by delta bird yeah and she like shades or whatever and delta burke has um a bit of trauma from like growing up and being you know tormented by this beauty queen and dixie carter just gives this big speech and she is so deliberate with the way that she talks Mm -hmm. and that is the night the lights went out in georgia and she says it just like that and the the (laughs) the whole like bar will just always recite it and it's everybody's like it's it's so fun it's just so communal Mm mm-hmm so I I told my friend about it and it was like fun trying to get him like on board with it. I couldn't even explain it myself very well other yeah. than the nights, the light, the nights. George. <laughs> and they had like two waves because uh, Delta Burke, like once she got fired from the show, was gone for like a year. And then they tried to spin her off like a year later. Did you know that? No. There's, there's like a one season show where she plays like the governor's wife. And people were like, we don't want to watch this. And that was one and done. Oh, poor Delta Burke. I, yeah. I listened to a podcast. It's um, a celebrity memoir podcast by Chelsea Devantes. <laughs> and that's how I read. Yeah. And um, she recaps like female celebrity uh, okay. memoirs. And she did a Delta Burke episode. And I love listening to her because these, I don't read celebrity memoirs, but obviously many of them are quite juicy. Sure. But I've, I learned so much about just the backstory of these 90s icons Mm -hmm. like delta burke i never would have you know peeled behind the curtain but she had you know she just had lots of ups and downs and that was a big one of course when she got fired and you know the yo-yo dieting of the 90s and everything and just that horrible movement so yay body positivity yeah what a weird episode this is I'm on board. <laughs> I'm on board. I just didn't expect to be talking about designing women spinoffs. What is this about again? I'm always here for it. So. I told you I was going to make you gay by the end of this podcast. <laughs> you did. That was it. Was that a threat? I don't know. I'm not sure. Your taste, though. Your taste, though, is questionable. Is it? You've well, always, you've always had like your finger on the pulse. I'm a man of the people. You know. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> Where's your pride shirt? HB. I mean, this is just this is just one color. Can you tell your listeners Sorry. about my shirt? Yes, uh, it's a it's <laughs> sleeveless white shirt with a rainbow that says "BU." Positive message. Yeah, my yeah. mom got it for me, and it was like her step towards like a a, a oh. pride shirt. And okay. I was like, I, I kind of wish it just said "Be Gay," uh-huh. but it says "BU." Be so you. I mean, yeah. I guess we're inclusive. We want everyone to be themselves, yeah. but I wish it said "Be Gay." Did we ever solve what you were trying to say about HBO? I just I don't know if we ever got there. I'm watching Mare of Easttown and, ha- and, and Hacks. Okay. I'm watching Jean Smart kill it on wherever HBO. She, wherever she Jean Smarts. Did you ever see Samantha Who with Jean Smart and Christina Applegate? It was like a two-season show. 
I no, love it. I love both of that. I know it's good. You should find it. It's a lot of okay. fun. It, it was canceled too soon. Definitely. I don't feel like I'm watching anything interesting at the moment. We're sort of like in between everything. I just, what did I, you just finish? I'm sure you just talked about it, but I wasn't. Uh, I mean, I, I sitcom wise, I, I watched all of Kim's convenience over the course of like this year on Netflix. What's that? It's a, uh, it's a show about a Korean family that runs a convenience store. And it's like, it's a Canadian import. It was sort of like on the heels of uh, Schitt's Creek. Kim's Convenience kind of made a big splash. And I loved it. It was so good. And then it ended sort of dramatically. So a little unsatisfying in the end, but still definitely worth it. Is it coming back for season two? No, well, it was, so it was originally renewed for seasons five and six. And then the creators were like, yeah, we don't want to do a season six. So it kind of like, it was already renewed and they were just like, forget it. And so season five kind of ends but it's not like it's not what you'd want as the finale of a long-running show like that for sure yeah. you're so invested at that point yes and what else there's a netflix show called ragnarok which is uh the second season just came out and we just haven't got to it yet like our nights have just been totally booked so ragnarok is sort of on the top of the list where we're headed. Is that like a spinoff of fraggle rock yes yep it's where the fraggles come and they fight norse gods and it's the darker Muppets you always wanted. The Muppets are plenty dark. That's true. Have you ever seen The Dark Crystal? <laughs> yes, I actually did watch that, I think, last year. I, I, well, I love Labyrinth, right? Yeah. And that's, that's Oz, Frank Oz, yeah. and Jim Henson. Mm-hmm. And then I felt like I had to get into this because they just uh, relaunched or rebooted kind of the, the Dark uh, Crystal. The Dark Crystal. And yeah, I wanted that to. That show understand. is rough. It's so bizarre. It I cannot believe we watched that stuff as kids. I know. Yeah. That is dark. I, Crystal. you know, at the risk of continuing to plug old podcast episodes, I interviewed <laughs> Mike Quinn, who was a puppeteer with Henson, and he, you know, he was in Return of the Jedi as Nine Numb, but, but he worked on Labyrinth and Dark Crystal, and we kind of, we talked about it a bit. And it's really, it's just a fascinating world. The whole, like, Henson of the 80s is just its own thing. I bet that puppet circuit was bizarre. I think it was. I think Can you imagine, was. like, just like, so, 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 what gig you got after this? Yeah. Oh, uh, you know, I'm doing kids shows until something picks up. Like, well, so interesting. Mike like made his own puppets and just like hung around the Henson Studios, and finally Jim Henson was just like, "Fine, we're doing the Great Muppet <laughs> Caper. Come on, you're in." And you, <laughs> you know, know, and I, I haven't really thought of puppets since um, Avenue Q. Oh, right. So big in 2001 yeah. Yeah. or 2002 to four or something. Mm-hmm. I can't remember. But um, I feel like that was when pu- I was like, oh, yeah, puppets. <laughs> they brought it back. They yeah, because the they went away for a while. Mm-hmm. They did. And then they All went right. away again. What, are yeah. we, what, what, what puppets do we have? I mean, I guess we're bringing back know. Dark Crystal. I mean, the Muppets haven't done well since Disney bought the Muppets. So <laughs> we haven't seen a lot. Sesame Street's still going. True, going strong on HBO now. What do you mm-hmm. know? So. My friend Suki Lopez is on it. She really? plays Nina. Okay. Yep. And um, she and I did West Side Story National Tour together. And um, she got right off of that, auditioned for Sesame Street, booked it, and has been the face of, I don't know, adults in wow. <laughs> Sesame Street since then. And she's killing it. Yeah. So she, can she hook you up? Can you be on Sesame Street? Um, I don't think I'm tall enough for Big Bird. No, not quite. Yeah, I'm more of an Elmo, but I don't know that I can sit under a table for that long. So I'll have to figure out something right for yeah. me. Okay, well, keep me posted. Yeah, maybe I'll do craft services. Again, what a 
what a meandering journey that was. Well, I never get to talk to you. I know. We have a lot to catch up on. I know. Just, just random Facebook messages. I feel like most of the time, just snarky one-liners on Facebook. Do you have my phone so. number? Do you have a phone? I have a rotary phone. Yeah, I do. Yep. It's in the kitchen wall. You know, we each get some time uh, Man, for the day. Texting on that must take forever. It, it is time consuming. But ultimately, I have to think more about the jokes. So I think I think they're stronger. It's always good when you think hard about a joke. I agree. I yeah. agree. All right. Well, how about some book news? How does that sound to you? Yes. Look into the future to see what it proves. It's time for book news. <laughs> All right. Let's look at the <laughs> yes, New York Times bestseller list. All right. So you. Can... I'm excited to hear if a book that I want to read is on it. So go. Well, let's do it. Okay. This is the combined print and ebook fiction. So, number. 10 on the list, The Midnight Library by Matt Haig. Nora Seed finds a library beyond the edge of the universe that contains books with multiple possibilities of the lives one could have lived. What do you think? 28 weeks on the bestseller list. Well, it must be doing, I mean, it must be great. Yeah, apparently. 28 weeks, that's a I long time. I don't know. There's a lot of these books that I feel like are just geared towards like librarians and people who buy books for oh. libraries. <laughs> I was going to say, that's a little on the nose. It is. It really, it'll maybe a little too much. Number nine, I'm very, I'm very on the fence about whether or not I want to read this or not. Six weeks on the list, Project Hail Mary by Andy Weir. Ryland Grace awakes from a long sleep alone and far from home, and the fate of humanity rests on his shoulders. Did you see or read The Martian? I heard that name. Matt Damon, Matt Damon Ridley Scott, the movie. Right, yep, I've heard of it. Okay. Didn't see it. So the book is great. The book is so, it's so funny, and it, I mean, it really, it's like take some hard science, but it still manages to be just a hilarious and engaging read. The movie is such a close adaptation of it that I was bored to tears watching the movie because there's no changes. So the Martians, you know, one of the, one of the better books I've read in recent years, his follow-up was called Artemis, I think. And it was like a heist on the moon. One of the worst books I've read in recent years. So I don't know. The jury's still out on project Hail Mary. Ridley Scott, that's the author? Ridley Scott is a director. He directed the uh, the movie version of it. Right, right. What year did that come out, The Martian? Um, I was, You know, five years ago, maybe. Is Matt Damon still making movies? Yeah, I think he, I think he is. Yep. Good for him. He's doing a couple every now and then. Good for him. Uh, this, I try not to judge, but I think this is such a stupid thing. Two weeks on the list, <laughs> Freed by E.L. James. The final chapter of the Fifty Shades, as told by Christian Trilogy, delves into the wedding between Christian Grey and Anastasia Steele. So, of course, Fifty Shades of Grey, that series, you must be familiar with that, just from living in the world. Uh, of course. This this is the kind of book that sells ebooks wise I this is why we got it on this list because people like to get their erotica on ebooks so they don't have to ask their friendly librarian or bookstore for it. But this, all this is, is they took the 50 shades of gray books and told them from his perspective instead of hers and just sold, oh. sold the same story again. And it's working. It's oh. working. Yeah. I don't know that I care. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. I don't. They did the same thing with twilight. They did. They told it from his perspective and then they also did, a gender swap Twilight as well. Is that clever storytelling? Clever writing? or It's clever marketing, you know? I, yeah, I feel like, yeah, yeah, just pump out more content. Yeah. Is J.K. Rowling going to do that from the perspective of the owl? In Harry Potter? Possibly. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you didn't read Harry Potter, did you? Bold move, bringing up J.K. Rowling in this episode. Uh, well, I, did. I made a joke of J.K. Rowling okay. by saying the At owl. At her expense. That is okay. ridiculous, and she would do something that stupid. You're right. 
Uh, I did read Harry Potter. Yeah, I did. Oh, really? That surprises mm-hmm. me. I don't know why. Well, I mean, you're right. I wasn't allowed. Like, when they first came out, it was like, that's witchcraft. Uh, but I did I did eventually read them all. So how's your witchcraft going? Uh, it's pretty good. Yeah, I'm, I'm uh, deep into it at this point. No turning back. <laughs> Number seven, seven weeks on the list, Suli by John Grisham. I've read this book. I don't think it works. That's my hot take. doesn't work. <laughs> Samuel Suleiman receives a basketball scholarship to North Carolina Central and determines to bring his family over from a Civil War-ravaged South Sudan. Wow, that's heavy. It is. And I think the thing is, like, it doesn't really get deep enough into it. It feels a little, I don't know, it felt a little, like, exploitative to me to have that be the backdrop of this, like, basketball story. I feel like if you're going to yeah. if you're gonna do that, I feel like you've got to, like really do it you know and i don't i don't feel like he did it took light of it a little bit yeah yeah i made light of it yeah. yeah number six 134 weeks on the list so this is you might be the last person on the planet who hasn't read this book where the crawdads sing by delia owens in a quiet town on the north carolina coast in 1969 a young woman who survived alone in the marsh becomes a murder suspect this is 134 weeks. So we're going on like three years. This has been on the bestseller list. Give me two more weeks. And then you're going to do it? And I'll think about starting it. I'll circle back. Malibu Rising. What do you think of that title? Um, sounds delicious. Okay. By Taylor Jenkins Reid. Four famous siblings throw an epic party to celebrate the end of summer, but over the course of 24 hours, their lives will change forever. Who did they kill? I don't know. Are you intrigued by this? The babysitter? Maybe. Oh, don't tell mom the babysitter's dead. That just turned 30, BT dubs. Did it? That's mm-hmm. older than our friendship. <laughs> Not by much, but it is. This one I don't particularly want to read, but her last book was called Daisy Jones and the Six. Then it was told like a biography of this epic band, and I loved it. I devoured it. So maybe uh. I'll have Maybe I'll have yeah, that. give it a shot. Number four, The Last Thing He Told Me by Laura Dave. Hannah Hall discovers truths about her missing husband and bonds with his daughter from a previous relationship. This looks like a Reese Witherspoon book club. <laughs> How do you feel about Reese Witherspoon? Do you read what she reads? Um, I love Reese Witherspoon. I love that she's a producer, and I loved Big Little Lies, also HBO. Mm-hmm. I think she's a phenomenal actress. She always nails her type in that part. Do I care about what she's reading? Um, sure. Yeah. Okay. All right. I actually, that probably is probably actually my um, kind of genre. Okay. Twist ending there. I thought we were. I thought you were. I thought you were setting me <laughs> no, up for some snark. I honestly was. Gonna, like, I was going to be sarcastic, and I was like, you know what? I'm honestly pretty basic. All so. right. Well, let me tell you again. The title is "The Last Thing He Told Me." All right. And that's the last thing he told me. The last thing. Number three. New this week. First time on the list. Tom Clancy, Target acquired by Don Bentley. Tom Clancy's dead, but his books live on. This one's written by Don Bentley. A cushy assignment to help the CIA puts Jack Ryan Jr. in the sights of trained killers. Wait, Jack Ryan. That sounds familiar. Jr. Jack Ryan Jr. Got it. Thank <laughs> you. Jack Ryan, I mean, that's a, that's a Tom Clancy character from way back. Like Clear and Present Danger, Patriot Games, Hunt for Red October. Ah, uh, that's it. It also sounds like any basic John Smith. True. Yeah. <laughs> it does. I'm not making this up. This is real. Number two on the list, Golden Girl. That's our book. Please be about Rue McClanahan. Let me see. No. By Ellen Hildebrand, a Nantucket novelist gets one final summer to watch what happens from the great beyond. I don't like that kind of book. I stopped listening. He's like a a ghost, I guess. 
Oh, he or she okay. is a ghost looking back at what happens in a summer. I don't need that. Mm. Number one new this week. Oh, boy. The President's Daughter by Bill Clinton. Do you remember Bill Clinton? I've heard of him. He was the former president. Uh, uh, yeah. By Bill Clinton and James Patterson. Matthew Keating, a past president and former Navy SEAL, goes on his own to find his abducted teenage daughter. Wait, is this actually Bill Clinton? It is. Former this is president? the second book in the series he and James Patterson have worked on together. Oh, he's yeah. writing books now? He is. Yeah. Fiction. Yeah. Fiction. Uh, a little Good bit of trivia. Him. Jimmy Carter was the only president to ever write a work of fiction until this uh, James Patterson, Bill Clinton crossover. And he stopped there? He just wrote one? He just wrote one. People were like, stop. So, <laughs> so he continued to write coffee table books that people give as gifts. <laughs> well, oh, spoiler alert. You, do you have it? Do you have the latest yeah. uh, Jimmy Carter book? Wow. Yeah, I'm going to present it to okay. you at He's the end of the podcast. A, he was just a simple peanut farmer. And that's uh, <laughs> that's the magic of that story. Yeah, yeah. Are you ready for the main event? Who, me? Yeah, you. Well, no, no I got to go. Oh. <laughs> That's all I'm giving you. Okay. Are you kidding? Let's do I've it. been dying to talk about this. All right. So our topic at hand, which you probably thought we were never going to get to it, but here we are. Uh, it is the novel Red, White, and Royal Blue by Casey McQuiston. give you like my final impression okay. it surprised me hmm okay i feel like you could cut out the last 150 pages and be just fine wow what do you think because how how long is it uh, my, i mean my print copy was like 450 or something like that by the way Every time we've done a Christmas book club, I've had to read know. short books, and this was a <laughs> this was a journey. This okay, a so journey. I'm not an avid reader. I don't read regularly. Obviously, okay. I read when I have to, right. like a book club or not a book club. If there's something that a topic I'm really interested in, I will read. And I read White Fragility last year, and I chose to, and I will continue to do that work and keep reading. But these, I don't run for, I don't read for fun as, as much as I should. Okay. And this felt like reading for fun. It felt like I was semi-forced to with the deadline, which I like. <laughs> um, but I also started very late, as you know. And I was getting a little anxious. And um, you were you were suggesting the audio version. Which I, I, I did half and half. Like I read a bunch of it and I listened to a bunch of it. But I really wanted to devour it because let me tell you something. I've never read a romance novel and I wanted to, I wanted to form the opinion in my head. I okay. wanted to hear the voices in my head. I wanted okay. to hear the noises and the lips smacking on my own. You know, <laughs> I wanted to like really imagine it. And I felt some things. Okay. The book won the, was the romance pick in the Goodreads Choice Awards in 2019 when it came out. It has stellar reviews and was pretty widely held in our, in our library system. So this is, uh, honestly, I feel like it has gained more popularity than fiction like this typically does. And I don't know why this one in particular was the one that sort of like had crossover appeal, but, but it has. Well, do you think it it, the pandemic has anything to do with that? No, because it came out in 2019. No, but do you think that you said it's gained popularity, oh, it but has. like, yeah, because of everybody was locked in their homes and wanted escape as it's possible. Yeah. 
All right, let me give you the uh, let me give you the publisher summary here. Okay, you ready? Mm-hmm. Are you ready? First, oh, yeah. Here we go. First son, Alex Claremont Diaz, is the closest thing to a prince this side of the Atlantic. With his intrepid sister and the Veep's genius granddaughter, they're the White House trio, a beautiful millennial marketing strategy for his mother, President Ellen Claremont. International socialite duties do have downsides, namely, when photos of a confrontation with his longtime nemesis, Prince Henry, at a royal wedding leaks to the tabloids and threaten American-British relations, the plan for damage control staging a fake friendship between the first son and the prince. As President Claremont kicks off her re-election bid, Alex finds himself hurtling into a secret relationship with Henry that could derail the campaign and upend two nations. What is worth the sacrifice? How do you tell all the good you can do? And most importantly, how will history remember you? That's the, that's the publisher synopsis. Would you have read the book based on that information? I like the idea of the romance across the pond. Okay. So yeah, I actually would have been really interested in this. I have a friend in New York that was reading it last year during the pandemic. Mm. And I feel like it was in November, he told me he was reading it. So then when you mentioned the title, I was like, I feel like I've heard this. And he was telling me about it then. And it sounded interesting to me. And like I said, I don't read regularly, but I was like, I like the idea of a gay romance from across the pond where it's like the Romeo and Juliet of it all. Mm -hmm. All right. So let's dive into the plot a little bit. So... I think, I mean, this kind of sets it up a little bit. You, you're really, you're focusing sort of the younger generation. The president is never really like a primary character, but, you know, she pops in uh, and the parents are divorced. So her ex-husband is still, a, he's a senator, right? Mm-hmm. And so there's a little bit of not friction, but it's sort of like, you know, you, you've got the divorced parents over here. Uh, and then in London, I, I don't think you get a ton of characterization from the royal family. An older brother, right? I mean, that you get a little bit more of. Yeah, Prince Philip. I, I I wouldn't even say. I mean, they flesh out B pretty well. That's his true. sister. Yeah, that's and true. they also they also give a great. I feel like they gave a great description of his father. Okay, but it definitely focuses on Alex and yeah. his family. Yeah. Okay. We start in D.C. with Alex Claremont Diaz, and he's traveling to London for an appearance with his sister. Um, his sister's name is. Jillian? <laughs> I literally just finished the book yesterday. <laughs> Nora is not his sister, right? Nora is the Veep's granddaughter. Yes, right? and that took me, um, I don't know how long to figure out who she was. And yeah. I was like, I kept remember, I kept thinking of Nora as his sister, and then he kept referring to her as not his sister. And I said, well, who the hell is she? And I, I think I missed that part about the... No, that, the... that was a little confusing. There was a lot of things okay. with characters sometimes where I was like, wait, 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 wait. I feel like... Some of the establishing, like, I don't think a ton of time was spent establishing the supporting cast, and you're just kind of thrown in. So I think when you have Nora and June, June is the sister's name, playing a pretty similar role, it was kind of hard to keep track in my head. Right, and it felt very brother-sister with both of them. It did, yeah. But he did, uh, Alex, the character references quite a bit, Nora not being part of the family. And then I kind of thought, like, well, is she, like you know, the stepchild. I was like, why are they being so mean to her? But they kept saying that the parents favor her. So it was very confusing, that relationship. So I thought I I missed a detail. So I'm really happy to hear it because that was honestly going to be my first question, Nick, when we started this book was, who is Nora? Well, I don't think, it's like she got a lot of play and was in most of the scenes. But I feel like if you would have snipped that character out of the book, I don't know what much would have changed, you know? Well, except for the fact that she kind of turns a lot of, the action at the end. That's Don't you true. think? No, you're right. You're right. 
Yeah, that's the, the end is where I got impatient. But so that could have been, honestly, that could have been one of the interns that did that. Mm-hmm. I don't think it necessarily had to be Nora. That's true. So, yeah, you're a little bit, you're, we're, we're both a little right. Mm-hmm. Oh, there you go. <laughs> well, there's that. Mm-hmm. So, Are- yes, they're, they're, they're traveling to London for um, Philip's wedding. Philip is the Prince of England. And um, Alex has a very, very fraught relationship with the younger brother of Philip, Prince Henry or Harry. Henry's the main character. Yeah, yeah. Harry, Harry is our actual yeah, the real prince. prince yes. right? yeah. Okay, is that a coincidence? Because that was a bit confusing. Too. No, I <laughs> like, think... did we have to pick so close? Well, I also thought using Philip was kind of confusing. You know, when that's yeah, like, that's an actual real prince name. Philip, uh, you know, so it's just a little. Or there was. I mean, I guess there still is in our hearts. But um, yes, I yeah, I thought I thought that was that was kind of a confusing choice. So how quickly do we get into that? Do they have they have an initial confrontation that that sets it off, but nothing romantic has happened at that point. The, the initial like running into each other and like slamming into a cake, right? Isn't that what happens? Yeah, they have an altercation. They end up falling into the cake and then there's this big uh, p- uh uh, what is it? Tabloid paparazzi yeah, yeah, yeah. extravaganza, where it's all of a sudden they ruin they ruin the royal wedding because of this huge feud. They hate each other, right? So that's what we're led to believe is that they just can't stand each other, and that every time they meet, it's a big disaster. And that's, I mean, it's kind of presented like that's a little true, right? Like they don't like each other, right? Right. Isn't that they, kind of the initial. They had met, I guess, at some Olympics back uh, prior, and um, Alex presented himself very um, annoying as, like, you know, the loudmouth American, right. and Prince Henry was a little haughty. Um, however, we learn, we do learn that Alex has been keeping kind of like old Tiger Beat magazine yes. clippings of Henry. So there was yeah. a bit of an attraction. So it's that old, like, push and pull. Like, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to be nasty to you. I'm going to be a bully to you because i actually secretly fantasize about you right but even that sort of seems like it's a bit of a surprise to alex once we get into it but i guess that's uh i guess we're jumping ahead a little bit so after the initial confrontation they have they go on this like offensive of okay we have to we have to make these two seems like they were just buddies joking around otherwise what the stakes of that were never made perfectly clear to me (laughs) Well, that's a, it's an echelon that we'll never understand. Nick. I see. We don't I know see. what we don't know what royal families have to go through to keep right. up appearances, and that's that 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 honestly is. So I love escapism, and I love you know that 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 whole idea of looking peeking behind the curtain and seeing how the other half lives. But it was kind of hard to relate to a lot of their issues. It was. And, and, and I was like, I don't feel that bad for you guys. No, I know. In a lot of instances. <laughs> well, I guess they just they're, they're didn't privileged know. lifestyles. This, like, the more I read of it, the more it did sort of feel like a, a, a paperback romance, you know, in, in not a great way, you know. Interesting. And I feel like having that, it's such a stretch that, like, this is the thing that's going to make this plot go. Felt a little lazy to me, writing-wise. Like, the, you couldn't come up with a better reason for them to have to, like, spend time together. Because, honestly, if, like, one of the Obama kids hated Prince Harry, would anyone have cared? You know what I mean? Like, like, great. We'll keep you guys separate. Right. I just don't think like this is not an international incident, and it's also like America and England. Like these are pretty good allies. You know what I mean? Like it's the not author, a tenuous political situation. The author is positing this this world where we yes, where where we 
are very, very fraught in our relationship with England. Right. That, that we must do, do everything possible to keep us yeah, together. Otherwise. When it's really like, we're fine. Yeah. You're fine. Like, yeah, they're, they are creating this, this alternate universe where this is a regular occurrence where you have, a, you have a, a falling out with a royal family member. So now we have to fly you to London and create these great events where we're going to uh, have photographers on hand to photograph you shaking hands and getting along and becoming pals again. Mm-hmm. as if anybody cares right so they start sort of staging events where they're going to be together and they're going to hang out and it's pretty early where we get a little movement between the two of them right i'd say the moment that we really sense something is the star wars yeah star wars in, in the in the children's hospital yes yeah so they go because um there's a lot of philanthropy that that prince i'm gonna do this all the time i'm gonna pause and say it prince henry because i want to say harry yeah I was honestly picturing Prince Harry the whole time. I was like, wait, are we really talking about I think the Prince you're supposed of England? To. Yeah, <laughs> I think you're definitely supposed to. So, um, so they they go to um, do an appearance at a child, which sounds terrible, but they they we're gonna we're gonna make you guys look good at a children's hospital. But Prince Henry, you did it. Really, it does have a relationship with this hospital and is going to um, visit children there. And um, he has a really lovely interaction with a young child who is obsessed with Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And so then they're rattling off like, well, which which movie's better? Mm-hmm. And it's um, for Henry, it is uh, Return of the Jedi. Mm-hmm. Good, and I don't know if it's the li- I don't know if it's the little girl or or if eventually Philip. Philip, Alex comes in in the conversation and says that it's Empire Strikes Back. So then there's that rivalry. Yeah. Which one's better? Which one's more pinnacle in the Star Wars canon? Yeah. And so that's the first time we see Alex be like, oh, you like American culture? Maybe I'll <laughs> listen to you. You know, it's very strange. It is. But that's how they connect is Star Wars and the Children's Hospital. Yeah. Did you get impatient for any romance to start? I liked the buildup because, okay. yeah, I, I, I could I could see where it was going and I was curious to see how we were going to get there. So I started to feel a little excited because I like Star Wars. Yeah. So I, I like the idea of them connecting on that Star Wars relationship. So I was getting yeah, a little felt, bit excited. it felt real. Yes. Um, and then it was very soon after that kind of little, this was the strange part. So then all of a sudden there's a, sh- a, a possible shooting in the children's hospital. Right. Yeah. <laughs> So the security guard throws Alex and um, Prince Henry into a supply closet and mm-hmm. they're, they're stuck in there and their have bodies are pressed together. Have to be. I, I picture them laying on the ground shoulder to shoulder, but I almost wish they were like laying on top of each right. other. Yeah. But it was it was it was feeling um, their ribs pressed into each other that uh-huh. they were wrestling almost. They were like, get away from me. Yeah. Get away from me. No, I you get away from me. No, <laughs> you get away yeah. from me. So they're like pressing against the other and you can feel it there. And they're stuck in that closet for a long time. And it ends up that it was just somebody with uh, firecrackers. Mm-hmm. Bringing firecrackers in the children's to hospital. the children's hospital. Yeah, good times. So it was really, that's the first physical moment where we feel yeah. that they're, they got excited about the connection of Star Wars. And then they didn't mind their uh, ribs pressed against each other. Right. But... But that's only surprising to Alex, right? But we don't know. We we don't see Henry's point of view very okay, often. Okay, all right. We're in, we're in. Alex is our storyteller. Yes, he's narrating it, and it is surprising to him. Yes. So you know, we have a series of these events, and I'm trying to remember like the next big. And, and this is the thing. This is the thing. It's like nothing that I feel like is really happening with 
the other characters doesn't super matter. You know what I mean? Like what what's going on with Nora and June is not super relevant. There's kind of an overarching thing where the president, Ellen, Ellen Claremont, is up for re-election and could potentially lose. So I think that that explains a little bit of why everybody's so heightened about anything being even remotely embarrassing. And I do think you sort of get the impression that people have kind of, you know, have a little hero worship with the, with the White House trio, you know, of Alex, Nora, and June. So maybe there's a little bit more focus than there normally would be on the three of them and everything that's going on. And there's this sort of like, you know, the young cool kids from, you know, the royal family and like the White House are... Don't embarrass us. Getting it this off, is, yeah. This is an important year. Yeah, yeah, you have to like, yeah, their their stakes are high in the sense that they need to keep up appearances and can, they can't do anything wrong, right? Because right. this is a pivotal time. That nothing really sexual happens in that trip to England. No, not not this time. But they get each other's phone numbers, and this is when they start texting. Yes, and the text is definitely a big leap forward, relationship-wise. Right. You know, and it's also it's... that trope in a book where you have uh, text messages uh, back and forth yeah. on three pages. Thank God, cross those pages off, yep. and we're moving forward. Yep. Yeah, yep. it's yep. quick, quick reads. And so their correspondence, I mean, it's definitely flirtatious. But still reserved at this point. Yeah, it's that jabby jabby kind of like winky winky. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and he and he keeps his um his name in his phone as uh, Prince Dickhead, right, or something yeah. like that, and it stays like that forever. Which yeah. is oh, 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 oh so honey, charming. oh Dickhead, yeah, yeah so charming, <laughs> <laughs> so haughty. So when are we next together? What's the next thing? I you know what I'm gonna call it out right now that I feel like especially as it progresses, in what world is like the the like the crown prince of England and the president's son, just like gallivanting, like all over the world by themselves, going places like crazy. No way. Oh, well, when you have a gay first son and a yeah. gay prince, mm-hmm. anything can happen. Anything can and will happen. <laughs> um, the next time we're together, I think is New Year's Eve. Yeah. We get some sparks here. This is where it happened. Mm-hmm. So I, I feel like there might have been another meeting, but I don't want to talk about it. I want to get to the good stuff. I think we should. Yeah. So they get sloshed and mm-hmm. they're starting to enjoy each other's company a lot more. They be, they finally found their rhythm. We get to introduce June and Nora to the prince and they have um, they obviously have a very fond relationship. So everything's just going along swimmingly. Mm-hmm. And I think that the, the countdown happens and everyone's cheering hooray 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 henry's gone where's henry mm-hmm. he has snuck away to the garden and it's some some um well-known garden in the white house i don't know my white house geography as well as i should <laughs> but uh, alex finds himself out there um underneath the moonlight underneath a gorgeous tree and henry comes in with a big old kiss yes and we get like, the kiss. really really pushes it on it could be alcohol induced yeah maybe that's it, all it is maybe, maybe he's yeah just but what does Alex do? He presses back in. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There's something there. There's sparks. And this is a pretty big turning point for Alex because this is his first experience. It's not point. his first gay experience. Oh, no. it's not? No, Liam is his first encounter from high school in right. Austin. Texas. You're right. Yes. Yeah. Okay, I remember now. Okay. So Liam, Liam was probably scorned because... It's not very soon after this kiss that Alex is like, I'm bisexual. Yeah. Like he's just like, there's like really no, there's no like yeah. he does not fight it, he does not struggle. He's uh-uh. like, yes, yes, I'm 
bisexual. Yep. All of the pieces just fall into place. Yeah. The Tiger Beat magazines, Liam, yeah, this yep. kiss, he's like, Oh, yep. yeah, I did keep your picture in my sock, Jordan. Yeah, yeah. yeah so there's that whole, <laughs> you know, there, that, that comes just falling out. Yeah. Yeah, the purse falls right out of his mouth yeah. the second he gets that kiss. <laughs> Um, so yeah, there's really no struggle. There's no internal struggle with like, no. I don't know. I don't know. It's like, yes, I'm bisexual. And yeah. I'm into this. Cause then he pretty much like, I don't know. He pretty much tells his sister right away. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's like, there's no struggle. Um, the, the struggle is probably with like letting the, the whole country know. Right. They they want to keep that hush hush. So, so now it's kind of like, okay. It, and I mean, that seems, that seems lame to me. Like, what did you, what did you think of that? To, to hide that? No, no. I mean, just that, that that it was just that. That it was just, like, one kiss, and he's like, okay, I'm ready. I mean, yeah, considering, like, that could be the story. I mean, there could be that internal struggle. That would be a really interesting, compelling way to tell it. But it's, there's also that argument, and I want to kind of pose this, is that there's a lot of representation in media with, like, having a gay story mm-hmm. being about somebody coming out about having a struggle. Yeah. And there's like, yeah, that is a story and that is an important story to tell. But that's not the only gay story to tell. Right. Sometimes there should just, we should cut that bullshit and be like, let's get into it. Let's like really get into the relationship. Let's get into the meat. Let's cut. Yeah, we know that's going to be hard for, um, you know, uh, I, I think the kid's 22. I think Alex is 22. Yeah. It's going to be hard for a, a 22-year-old to, to reconcile their sexual preference. But sure, maybe he's fine with it. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's Maybelline. <laughs> <laughs> and I think let's like like let's just let's just tell a different gay story. Yeah. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I just felt like there's several times in the book where like an absence of struggle I feel like just makes for it just makes for a less compelling story there. Like it it's not that it's not that I needed him to have some sort of anguish over this. It's just it it is a big moment and so for the story not to really address that, like maybe don't have that be a thing at all, like you know what I mean? Like, I guess it was weird that he didn't know and then just suddenly knew. It could have just been that he yeah, knew. Like if you didn't maybe... want to get into it, just have it so he knows, you know? Right, right. Yeah, that that was a bit confusing. The relationship to his sexuality was right. a bit like, well, let us know right away because yeah. we were with him from the start. So right. Right. maybe give us a clue here or there. Talk about Liam earlier. So yeah, I don't know. So just, we knew. It just didn't seem like a necessary element to the story when you especially like you said, I mean, that that is the premise of this book. So everybody knows, you know, <laughs> anyway. But yeah, so he's he's pretty much like, yes, OK, let's go forward. But he still doesn't really just because they had one sloppy kiss, you know, like he doesn't really know that Henry's into him or anything like that. It is still kind of a question mark. And they are still sort of forced in this awkward situation of having to be like pretend friends who are now sort of real friends, and now there's sort of this, like, layer of mystery about. But now there's a little bit of excitement of, right. like, when yeah. do we get to do appearances again? Right. Right. I want to right. make out. Right. <laughs> <laughs> of course, they can't stop thinking about each other, but I can't remember if they're texting that much between. I want to say the next time they interact is, like, kind of in person. It's not really like, I enjoyed that, oh, I enjoyed that, too. I think the next time they talk about it is actually in person. Yes. Because then eventually we get into emails, too, and I can't... They're, the emails are introduced in an interesting way later. <laughs> you don't love it. Speaking of Sex in the City, it is so Sex in the City when they start, I don't want to say like plagiarizing love stories from other mm. people, but they, they pick a very fantastic quote from a, like, either, it's, it's mostly queer um, 
uh, fictional store uh, 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 characters, and they you know recite it to each other via email. And that's very Sex and the City yeah. movie one when Big does that with Carrie when he writes like <laughs> the row and like all these like authors. And I was just like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> But we that the emails come a little bit later. So we're we left off at the kiss, and then from there we have um, yeah. I mean, then we start introducing like a lot of the politics of it, and we meet Luna, who is the um, he's a cabinet member for uh, Ellen. You're right. He's gay, yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's a big role model to Alex. Yeah. He works very close with Alex's father, and just the whole uh, Democratic campaign. Yeah. So movement on the characters, like it's still, there's still a little tentative awkwardness. I feel like the neck, when it, when it is finally addressed, it's, but I don't remember, like, I don't remember if Henry tries to play it off or if he's open about it. He disappears. Right. He kind of ghosts him for a while. He kisses him and he disappears. So yeah. it's it's not clear that it, while, while Henry instigated, it's not clear if that was planned or if he was embarrassed by it. We don't know how he feels about mm-hmm. it. But we know how Alex feels about it, and he's stoked. He's very excited. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he is. And so it sort of continues on that way. And I feel like there's a middle chunk of the book where we're dancing around the relationship and then like rolling into the relationship that I felt a little like, okay, let's speed it up. <laughs> you know? I, got, I, I got jet lag. Yeah, because they are traveling. Oh across yeah, across this world. Yeah, like 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 it's no big deal. Like this is another weekend. Mm-hmm. I'm like. We're, now we're in London. Now we're in California. Now yeah. we're in Texas. We're yeah. in, in Houston. We're in Austin. We're we're in Brooklyn. We're everywhere. And I'm like, how? And then they talk about like, I'm tired. Every now and then, yeah. like, I'm tired. I'm like, I'm exhausted. <laughs> <laughs> I was watching you fools gallivant around living this fantastic That's life. That's what I'm saying, though. Like, no way. Like, th- and then the other part is like, have that so, kind of freedom of movement. Yeah, and they they're never taking PJs. They're never taking private jets. Uh-huh. They're always doing it like in some kind of way that there's no paper trail, right? Because he's they've got to be smart about this too, because we don't want the world to know. And the fact that like in yeah. New York or something, when he comes to you know, like Alex uh, Henry surprises him and brings their friend Pez, who's a, a fun little character, mm-hmm. and they surprise him in New York and they have this crazy night out and they go to this hotel and I'm like, how yeah. is no one seeing the Prince of England yeah. and the first son. That's what I mean. It's like this like there's no security. You know, there's no like detail assigning like exactly where everybody is at any given it would moment. Would never it's like, happen. No, it's like the president's son and and the prince just like roll into like a holiday inn, you know. <laughs> They're like, we'll have a couple of adjoining rooms if you don't mind. <laughs> and they're like who are you yeah it's like it. like no one no recognizes these people they're they're in a gay bar and they're like having this awesome night out where they're doing karaoke yeah. and wearing kimonos and making out basically yeah. and, like, and like not everybody has their cell phone out being like i know <laughs> like are you kidding like hey, yeah we're gay yeah. everybody's gay here like no cameras right yeah but see that's what i mean about there's i feel like there's some sloppiness in the writing because there is certainly a way to do this but it's like once the steps of the relationship happen and they're both just like in it it's just kind of a free-for-all you know what i mean there's there's no there's no more i mean there's subterfuge they're saying oh we have to sneak we have to pretend but they aren't not that hard yeah Yeah. i'm like that's why i'm wondering if the security detail they do have like they both have uh, like a bodyguard basically that plays a big role and i'm wondering like how much damage control are they doing on the back end yeah like i talk about not sleeping they must be up all night trying to clean up this i know they're they're going around collecting cell phones (laughs) killing people 
<laughs> bearing bodies. Yeah. It's like they must be See, really clean. That's up. the book I want to read. I want to. Re- <laughs> yeah. I want to read about the guys going to the nightclubs, being like, "All right, <laughs> the damage control, paying people off, yeah. Yeah. stealing yeah. security footage." My God. Yep. So, what happens to take us from the awkward, like drunken kiss, to like full on relationship? It's. I mean, it's it's the emails, it's the traveling, but then I don't remember like how we get to the next step, like when they spend the night together for the first time. I can't remember if it happens in England or if it happens in New York, where they. Well, um, it's a hotel, so I think it's probably New York. Right. Yeah. Then they are in the hotel overnight after that drunken night in New York, and then he has a um, Alex has a very quick appearance the next morning where the um his uh, assistant finds henry in the closet right yes that's right that's right yeah so that was a big surprise and it's a big reveal for yeah. her i was like how did she not know i know yeah i was like not not even that not now who's cleaning up after her yeah like, no it's who- true because i remember that moment too and i thought she was going to be like oh good you guys finally got together but no yeah. she's like what <laughs> she's just does not want to so see I it i just don't yeah now, what yeah. do you think about, so, like, do you remember at all kind of the detail of, like, like the graphicness, the, the graphic um, storytelling? Do you? Yeah, yeah. And actually, I was struck by, I felt like the, the love scenes were pretty graphic and were, like, very specific. And at first, I was like, boy, that's really, I mean, that's, you know, that it's graphic. But I sort of feel like... It's not. I think I've read that kind of scene a million times, just like with a man and a woman, and I don't even think about it. I don't think I've read anything like even remotely like that. And so I couldn't tell if it was particularly graphic or if I'm just sort of like desensitized to reading a scene like that between a man and a woman. What did you think? I I felt like it was... And it, I, that's when I, I think we, I messaged you last night before we met and I was kind of like, I didn't, I had a hard time finding out who this was for Yeah. because I was like, no, I, I felt think like that's a really valid criticism. And I wanted to be like, give it like, get a little into it. Like yeah. there was just was not a lot of like ecstasy behind it. And mm. I was kind of like, I was, I thought the descriptions of it were tame and I was trying to wonder like, is, right. are they trying okay. to keep it a little bit tame for maybe a younger audience? I don't know, but. I feel like it could have been more hardcore, man. Well, and I think it, I mean, we were talking about Fifty Shades of Grey earlier. I mean, that's <laughs> right. like, you know, legendary for that. Maybe that's what I was expecting. I don't know. Cause like I said, I've never read a romance novel. So I was expecting like some carnal stuff in there. And you I said think... it, you did feel a little intense. Yeah. I guess I just hadn't really been exposed in print to, to that, you know, I think that it was on par with the amount of detail for the kind of book that it is, you know, like there are different levels in romance and usually, you know, like the oversized chunky paperback kind of like bright covered book like this is, is not the kind that's going to have like the real steamy sex scenes. You know, I feel like that's kind of code. Like you can tell Wouldn't a, that lot. Been a twist if it was, though? it would have. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I just think you can tell a lot from the cover. This to me I guess it was the level that I expected, but it was surprising to me just because, like, I hadn't read a scene like that between two men before. There's so, something yeah, that I, I want to say, and it's first of all, I, I'm, 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 I'm curious as to how the author researched mm-hmm. because there were certain things, and and I understand that this author identifies as queer and mm-hmm. non-binary and is very open to all sorts of. Um, 
I don't know, probably different types of relationships. Okay. But I was kind of thinking like, I just felt like she needed to talk to her gay best friend for this one because I, I, I just, just feel like it could have been messier. It could have been clunkier. It could have been, I also felt like, and this is maybe a little bit of a judgment, but Prince Henry is all, Prince Henry, first of all, is the one that does not grapple with the sexuality. He's very clear that he is gay. Yeah. And, and he has really not that many qualms with it. And he's a fabulous dresser. And I feel like he just really dresses the part. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, a little bit like clean cut, stereotypical, like Ken doll gay man. He's never not wearing boxers. Mm. And I was like, who told her that <laughs> men are wearing boxers? <laughs> that gay men are wearing boxers. You think of boxers, think of those like plaid shorts, yeah, you, you know? Yeah. At least say boxer briefs mm-hmm. or briefs. Yeah. Like there's not a gay man and not a gay prince that's wearing boxers. Okay. So that was that that was a bit shocking to me. That being said, I'm I'm not poo-pooing at all because I really did feel kind of excited during okay. some of it. So I don't know. I was just surprised that it wasn't a little bit more hardcore. Mm. I don't know. And you know, I think to, I, I felt the same way about who is this for? I mean, that was a question that I was asking myself like over and over again. And, you know, the consensus, at least around the library, for those of us who read it, because a few staff members read it leading up to it was, you know, we do feel like it, it is kind of geared towards like the young, you know, like the teen girl crowd, you know, I mean, that yeah, seems see like that. the more obvious because it because it always to me had a little bit of like the the stink of fanfic you know what i mean where it's like what if what if prince henry you know or what if prince harry you know like that's that's what it felt like to me yeah yeah i i could totally see that and i do wonder like was it big amongst gay audiences too or like were gay guys reading this in 2019? I feel like it was a fun summer gay novel. I I can't say it. Like you said, it was very well reviewed, very popular. So it I is. can only imagine yeah. that that a lot of gay identifying men or women or non-binary read it. And so I am a bit surprised tonally too about like, maybe, you know, this author was just taking a shot in the dark and being like, I'm just going to kind of like blanket fanfic it and Mm -hmm. people can kind of uh you know get what they want out of it i was not disappointed like i said about the sex scenes i was just surprised and i still enjoyed it like i think i was expecting something more but i still enjoyed kind of where it was going yeah um because it's also that thing where it's kind of like you got to use your imagination a little bit Mm -hmm. and i felt like it offered that because it was a little bit um Un, it was a little bit unclear, nondescript at times. It's like yeah. you kind of got to make up your own assumptions. So I don't know. What I guess what I thought was sort of, you know, because like I mean, I I buy all the books for our library. You know, like that's that's a big part of my job, making sure you know we have a diverse collection and and getting things. And you know, it it is harder than you would think even now to find gay fiction, to find you know books that that are showing you know, a variety of, of things and for a, a broader audience. And so the fact that this one like exists and did sort of have, I don't know what you want, I'd like have sort of a crossover appeal was kind of noteworthy, you know, and, and it probably shouldn't be, but I still think that's where the publishing world is in, in a lot of ways. I don't know. I mean, do you, do you have a different take on that? I mean, do you see, I mean, as far as representation in fiction, yeah, I think that um, that doesn't surprise me at all. Yeah. I feel like that that there's not a, a gay story that I can even think off the top of my head right. that's been very popular in the past few years. I definitely um, think that 
yeah, that's probably why this was so well received. It's because I feel like people are, um, I feel like we're in a time in a movement where people are, you know, a little bit more open about sexuality and fluidity and all that. And so I think that with the appealing kind of the the appealing storyline of the the prince yeah. and the, the 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 princes i'll say from either side i think that that was it was a little bit commercial but it was really it was really i think that was a, a good call on this author to to pull from something that everybody can hang on yeah i mean that's like a it's a pretty interesting twist on a lot of these stories that we've heard. Yeah. Um, but no, I, d- I do feel like there's probably a lack of representation in queer um, literature. For yeah. Sure. I, I felt like, and, and I don't know, I'm talking about strictly just from a like choosing books and trying to make sure we have a collection that's representative of our community. I felt like it was at least an encouraging step that there could be you know, a bad romance novel about two men that got the attention that bad romance novels about men and women get all the time. You know what yeah. I mean? Like I no, still, I that's great. you know, I still, I still think that is progress and maybe not as much as you'd want, but it's something, you know, the fact that this book got beyond what they often do. I was really surprised, not surprised. I mean, I was uh, thrilled, but when you mentioned that we wanted to do this and you wanted to do a Pride Month, do you do a Pride book every every year? Is this the first time you've kind of like decided to pull one out? And <laughs> uh, we do. I mean, every year I've been there, we've done displays and things. Uh, it's as far as specifically but you display the gays. Uh huh. Yeah, we bring them out and <laughs> put them out. Uh, we, so we Here they do, are. We always do displays and things. But to answer your question, I have not specifically done like a Pride Month book club. Cool. No, I was like, I thought that was a really good idea, and this book came at the right time. Mm-hmm. To... I think yeah. people are fi- finally listening to us. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like we kind of jumped to wrap. What should we, should we quickly just like wrap up how, where this book goes? Here, yeah. So I feel like I have a lot of complaints just about it, like as a book, but here's one of them. I feel like one, you're kind of set up to have this sort of odd couple vibe because you have, you know, the upper crusty Prince of England and you have like a politician's son from Texas, pew, pew, you know? And so <laughs> You kind of expect that he's going to be all like, well, I like salad bars, you know what I mean? <laughs> but, but like, you don't really get that. And like, once you, once you get past the initial, like, oh, we're different. To me, they're written very similarly. They are, yeah, and that it, they're they're almost annoyingly similar. Yes, I'd say. like it's irritating. The, the dialogue could almost be interchangeable, and they are both like equally in the relationship. Right. Which yeah, I there, think is like there's one moment where it falters and you're like, oh, this is it. Like we were waiting for this moment. And Henry, it's very strange because um, they go to the Alex's family's family home in Austin. Right. Which, again, and... how did that ever happen with, with the Prince of England? <laughs> but we'll forget that. You can make it all over this country. I can't even get out of Michigan. <laughs> And they have a moment in the water. It's very romantic. And Henry just can't do it. He, he can't do it. Yeah. And he just basically leaves overnight and is gone. So then what does Alex do? He goes a little crazy and he flies over there. And Henry's like, hey, oh, hey, how are you? Yeah, mm-hmm. okay, let's do this. Yeah. And they're just back together. It's very it. strange. Like, there's there really is. not a lot of conflict. They're both really in it the whole time. Yeah. Well, and I think, like, I can't help but analyze it, like, structurally. And I think having this be a real like wake up call for Alex, you know, like, Oh, I'm, I am bisexual. 
having that be a part of the book, but never having that come back around where he sort of questions that either. Like, I kind of thought maybe that was going to happen, that he was at least going to be uncomfortable with it and suddenly be like, wait, maybe I'm not. But we didn't get that either. Like, there was just never really... That's in Red, White, and Princess. Oh, okay. When he, when he meets the princess of... <laughs> Did you, I don't know. <laughs> did you think that was coming though? Did you think he was going to like second guess himself? I thought it was interesting. What I would have liked to see maybe, and, 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 and there's definitely um, a move, not a movement, but more recognition in the bi community lately of people wanting to um, celebrate that and to okay. be a little bit more, there's definitely a stigma in the gay world. When you, when, when you come out, you first come out as bisexual and then you finally come out as gay. Okay. And there's always that expectation that you're the bisexual person's going to eventually realize they're gay. Mm-hmm. And another I think it's another point that maybe the author didn't want to make to have to go into the bisexuality of it and to be like, "Oh, yes, I'm bisexual. I love this man, but I also love this woman." I don't yeah. think that I don't think that she wanted to uh, I don't think that they wanted to go into that necessarily with the um the conflict of yeah of what they're interested in yeah so i i think that sure alex is bisexual and alex is in love with a man now mm-hmm. i don't is that what kind of what you're saying you think that there it would make a more interesting structure if alex had more of a struggle with what what gender he was interested in no 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 i don't i don't think that he needed to genuinely have that struggle but i feel like character wise if this is a new thing that he's doing I feel like he would at least, like as a character, maybe he would deny that himself. You know what I mean? Not that he would right. actually be like, wait a minute, no, I don't. But he might sort of convince himself of that for a minute. Yeah, because I really can't really hang on what the conflict is, That's aside I mean. from the election. Yeah. Aside from the election and aside from the Queen of England, yeah. who is their biggest foil. Yes, of course. <laughs> Always. Yeah. I Yeah, I think that, that that could have been a layer where he you know, won't, won't be honest about himself or something, but like that was never, that was never a part of it. So it just sort of lacked any kind of tension at all. I think there are different ways that you could have done that. I think Henry could have been like, look, I, you know, I've got this whole thing. I can't just go out there and do whatever I want and kind of pull back that way. There's many things they could have done, but instead it was just sort of like, once it happened, they were just 100% in to the end besides that one, like, five minute pause you know yeah i definitely felt like i don't know that i was really rooting for alex because i couldn't really i don't know if he was flushed out enough for me or if his personality type was just i I felt like they they were they were playing on the trope of the uh, you you said you'd like a little bit more odd couple but i did feel like they were kind of playing alex as the ambitious yet kind of sloppy american yeah and henry as the pulled up there, there were there were glimpses of that i think maybe i didn't get too deep into the detail and the nitty-gritty like you do mm-hmm. but I, I i felt like they were touching on those points so maybe they could have just dove deeper i don't yeah. know honestly i mean i think seeing henry's side of things fleshed out a little bit more would have helped as well and we just didn't really get that he was a very one-dimensional character Yes, I, I, I agree. I, I think they talk about his big heart a lot, so we know that he feels a lot. He's well, they, but they, they talk about it. They don't show it, yeah, I don't think. Yeah, you're right. You know? You're right. Yeah, you're right. And yeah, he did seem like a cardboard cutout. He did, yeah. 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 That's yeah. how he feels. Mm-hmm. I don't know. So I, I guess, there, again, I think there was kind of a laziness there to not do a little bit more character work. 
uh, within that. But yeah, so we have we have the hiccup where he doesn't know if Henry kind of pulls away, but then like suddenly they're right back together, and then it pretty quickly transitions into like they're just gonna go public with it and find a way to be together, right? It, I mean, that's, but that's it's leaked by you're right. Yeah, so they they're not ready. They they're ready to tell their their mothers. Yeah, which goes fine. The queen obviously has a big issue with it. Yeah, and then on the way to telling the queen, it leaks that they were seen kissing in the back of a car during one of their uh, makeup. Yeah, moments in in England. Yeah, so there's a picture of them that gets leaked, and then Henry's on his way to England to go meet the queen, and that's where we are. So when they land, there's this big support around the, yeah. the globe for yeah. them and, and I, remember I was surprised by that i thought that was a that i thought that was a nice turn you were surprised by the world i they was surprised yeah. you yeah Aww. i don't often yeah. find the world to be a hopeful place so <laughs> that was <laughs> you were really rooting for the world yeah don't the uh, emails get linked at, leaked at some point isn't that part of it yeah that comes after the meeting with the queen okay when they all right to headquarters and yeah. then we find out that they think that the opposing candidate right. for uh, for Ellen Claremont Diaz is the one that leaked it. The Richards campaign. Yes, yeah, that was the. Thing. I was like, why? Like the emails got leaked. What is this? Like two thousand three? You know, like I thought it was such a lame <laughs> plot point. But yeah, like why are you emailing? I don't know. And that is part of it because then they go from texting to emailing because they because because Henry's a fabulous writer supposedly. Yeah, they need that. They need that email. So. Is is emailing big in the gay community? Is that is that why? It's all we do. Is it really? Okay. Yeah. So she did do some research. That's There's good. a lot of cues. Yeah, you can do. That's you know, um, yep. you know, you make those old school emojis like the heart with uh-huh. like the parentheses and the three. Uh-huh. Like that's okay. very gay. Okay. Um, I'm yeah, with you. you can make a rainbow out mm-hmm. of a lot of different uh, mm. little symbols on your screen too. So there's just a lot of code. It's all making sense to me now. Yeah, it is. <laughs> you have an email? So yeah, mm-hmm. sure. I think this is the part, like once it's once it's kind of like they've made the decision and it's out in the open, this sort of like clandestine political animals section here at the tail end, I was kind of like ready to be done. <laughs> that's when we could have cut, cut forward. <laughs> yeah, that's when I kind of thought like, mm, okay, were you still <laughs> in really, it or was that just me? They know that I, I think you're right. They dragged out that election that yeah. the whole night. They dragged it out. Yeah, I mean, it was just like a will she, won't she. And I think yeah. the biggest thing that was right that it was all writing on is like, is Alex was thinking, is it going to be because I came out? Is it going to be, did I ruin this election? And it turns out that, so when uh, Ellen was first elected, the first time they did not win the state of Texas, their home state. Right, yeah. And now it's all laying on, will Texas go blue? And if, mm-hmm. Texas, if Texas goes blue, they took the election. Yeah. And sure enough, it goes blue. Yeah, it happens. And she yeah. gets reelected for another term. And um, Henry shows up at the last minute to arrive on stage mm-hmm. with, uh, with the family. Yes. He's very much accepted at that point. Yeah. I still don't fully understand how that's going to work logistically. <laughs> that's the other thing, too. I'm like, but you're still the prince of England. Uh, yeah. I, don't know. I know he's going to buy a brownstone in Brooklyn, but is a brownstone in Brooklyn ever going to fix anyone's problems? Right. <laughs> I mean, maybe it might. <laughs> Honestly, it could fix a few of mine. Yeah, that's another story for another podcast. So, I mean, more or less, that's that's the story. I mean, it, right. it's sort of an idyllic ending where they're together and everyone accepts it, and somehow they make their like transatlantic love story where they're both like 
That's for part two. I guess. Yeah. That's Red, true. white, and royal baby. <laughs> royal baby blue. <laughs> Um, we'll see. That'll be interesting when they adopt. Like, yeah. are they where are they going to adopt from? Mm. Which country yeah. is it? Yeah. Like dual citizenship. Yeah. We, well, I don't... now you're kind of making me want to read that book. <laughs> All right. So, I mean, we kind of got into it in the middle there. Obviously, there there are weaknesses to the book. I think it's pretty standard paperback romance. I didn't hate it. I don't know. What did you think? I didn't hate it either. And when I said I was surprised at the beginning of this, I was surprised how much I felt during it. Oh. I felt I felt like butterflies and I felt like little romance giggles. I kind of went back to that, I don't know, that young flirtatious. I like I like reading stories about like first love and stuff. And it just brings back very um like fun feelings and yeah. stuff. So it I, I while I wasn't necessarily in love with the characters and I thought it was kind of that um privileged who cares sort of like yeah. rich people problems. I was like, I get what it is. I'm along for the ride. Yeah. I'm I'm in it and and I'm and, and I was surprised there wasn't any like any more I I don't know what I was expecting. I think I was expecting like like a novel like a like a sexy novel or whatever mm-hmm. i was expecting more encounters more sexual encounters mm. there really weren't much after wimbledon no, it's really it's like right in the middle yeah like there, there's a they, bunch they, back to back and and that's a true gay relationship <laughs> <laughs> right off the bat and then it just dwindles as and then it's over off. and then yeah. the next thing you know you're on the stage with the president <laughs> of the united states and everybody loves you <laughs> taking so, you know an appearance by the queen pretty the standard queen, and it's all over yeah um i definitely was surprised how much i enjoyed it mm-hmm. yeah you know i think i was expecting that it would be funnier like it, in a lot of ways it felt like a very old-fashioned kind of story to me like it you know like um like no, princess uh <laughs> princess diaries old-fashioned yeah well i mean in a way obviously the thing that that breaks that is that it's you know it's about the gay characters but like i still i don't know i i feel like you know the 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 overall plot and just the writing in general to me didn't didn't feel particularly like clever or fresh and that disappointed me a little bit you know i mm-hmm. thought it was going to be like a very hip kind of book and i i don't think that it was yeah, I mean, if I could follow it really well, then it wasn't that deep. <laughs> <laughs> Would you read more by the author? She's got a new one out that already has no, a lot of buzz. So after the ebook, because I read it on my Nook, um, it goes into the next uh, story, which uh, takes place in Brooklyn, and it involves uh, non-binary characters, a trans character. So I'm interested in hearing more from the, that angle of... Uh, young America, yeah. but I, it takes place in Brooklyn too. I, I, I wasn't, I wasn't hanging on every word. I, I think, I don't know. I think I, 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 I can tell you right now, I'm not going to read this book, but, <laughs> <laughs> but I do think it's cool what this author is doing and bringing the marginalized communities to the forefront. And yeah. obviously, like you said, I didn't realize that this book was so acclaimed. So I, I'm excited for what that means for representation. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think definitely. Like I said, I think it's it's a nice bit of progress, and the fact that like the next book has already got so much buzz, I think is is a cool thing. Can I ask you a, a potentially awkward question uh, that you can feel free to not answer if you don't want to? But Cut you know, out. <laughs> no, I just I think about sometimes how like for me, you know, it it's pretty easy because most movies and TV shows and songs and books are like 
designed for me you know it's like boy meets girl kind of stuff and that's something that like i'm sure i've taken for granted you know for decades now and you know a book like this comes along and it's noteworthy you know where like it wouldn't be if it was just like an old white dude and, and a nice little white lady that wouldn't be noteworthy at all so the fact that this one is i think you know really says something and so i just wonder like how does your experience differ like is that something that I just imagine that must be hard. Well, are you outing me right now? <laughs> yes, broadcast. this is the time. Ever, I, your parents are here. Could yes, you guys come right in? It's true. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Nick. Yeah, yeah. that was yeah. going to happen. Yeah. Um, ambush. Oh, we don't. We really don't have to. I can cut that right out if you don't want to talk about. Oh my God, no! Are okay. you kidding? I, I, you have to remember, like we kind of grew up in very similar. Uh, we're very like same generation. We grew up in basically neighboring towns in the same area. Yeah. Um, we kind of were raised with similar ideals and stuff. So I really, I mean, I was raised with the same culture that you were and like the boy meets girl storyline and stuff. So I think I just learned to, you just learned to like accept it. And I don't know anything else. I wasn't, I didn't feel like as a queer youth growing up feeling like I wasn't represented. I didn't see it that way. I just saw this is the way it is. Mm. So it's very interesting to see. So like you said, so much progress and so much movement over all forms of media. I, um, so now I'm, 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 I'm obviously so fully on board for it. I, I think this can do nothing but help young queer people who are, you know, experiencing any kind of um, struggles coming out and grappling with who they are. I think that it's, I, I don't feel at all like jealous that I didn't have something like mm -hmm. this growing up. I feel only excited about it. Yeah. I don't feel like I missed out. I had theater and an outlet, thank goodness, that accepted me and welcomed me and everything. But I feel like, um, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like representation matters and I feel like telling different queer stories matters. Cause like I said before, we, we have the tropes, we have the struggles coming out. We have um, certain identifying sexualities and, um, and I feel like they're, they're, it'll, it'll be interesting to hear. I want to hear, I also want to hear it coming from queer people's perspectives too. Like, I don't know that there's a bit of a, like I said, I, I might've maybe had a little bit of an issue reading this author's book, not being, and I know that's that we should be able to like look beyond that, but I, I would have liked to hear this coming from a gay man's perspective. Mm. So there, I might, that might be one issue that I have deep down, but I can look past it. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I feel like, uh, I think I feel like we're heading the, the right direction and yeah. I and I feel very um yeah I, I feel very hopeful about everything for our for the next generations yeah yeah you know? well that's good and uh I'm sorry I made you read read a 450 page book <laughs> it was 334 on my ebook so okay. I think they left some stuff out that's a little easier yeah, yeah. I, I read the extended uncut version I got so. red white <laughs> I got the red, white, and blue junior version. Oh, okay. Maybe that's why it was so watered oh, down. Oh, could be. Yeah, it could be. So how many stars? How many stars would you give this book if you were going to rate it? Well, how many stars do we have out, out, of five. Of, out of five? Oh, boy. I'm going to go right in the middle. I'm going to say three. Okay. That's what I did, too. That's where yeah. I put it to. How does it rate with that Christmas ghost book you read a few years back where, the, <laughs> where there was a bear in the basement? With the bear, who was the Wydell? Yeah, the Wydells. Yep, the Wydells. Yeah. How does it compare? You know, I still picture like 
I think something when I read that book, I pictured kind of like a cartoon haze, like like you said, a little bit yeah. um, one dimensional yeah. or two dimensional rather. Mm-hmm. I kind of pictured the same cartoon haze over this one. So the like tonally, I felt like they were very similar. Okay, um, just with a lot more expletives in this sure. one. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. There was less swearing in the bear, in the bear book. For I would sure. say. Yeah, I would say so. All right. But it's politics, man. I know. Everybody swears in politics. It's a dirty business. I did, I did read that the author. Remind me the author's name. I keep saying the author. Casey McQuiston. Casey McQuiston um, was really obsessed with Veep at the time, oh, the HBO series with okay. Julie Dreyfus, right. and I feel like that's where a lot of like the cussing and stuff came mm. from because that's all the like every other mm-hmm. sentence it mm-hmm. has like five swear words. Did you watch that series? Oh yeah, I loved Veep. Okay, yeah. good. Yeah, yeah I love one it. of the great endings. I feel like in a show, so hard to stick a landing on a show like that, and I felt like they just nailed it. Oh yeah, and Julia Dreyfus is just like a beast. She is. I mean, she's amazing. When you when you think of like her big things, you know, Seinfeld, New Adventures of Old Christine, Beep, Saturday Night Live. You know, it's like all of those things are just so drastically different, and yet she's just like perfect in all of so them. So much energy, so impressive. Takes yeah. so much energy. Yeah. Should we do a Veep rewatch podcast? Is that what? Uh, is that how you're? Is that where this is leaning? Only if I can swear, though. Okay. Yep, that'd be fine. That'd be fine. All right. Well, the book, again, is Red, White, and Royal Blue. We do have it right here at the David A. Howe Public Library. And we'll have the next book when it comes out. So you can keep an eye out for that as well. Thanks to my old friend, Bo Hutchings, for uh, reading the book and chatting with me about it. Bo, thanks. Hey, anytime, girl. (laughs) Next time in the feed, in an off week, we're going to have a special audio drama that kicks off the summer reading program. And then after that, Kate is back, and we're talking about the Warrior books. Did you ever, as a kid, did you ever read these Warrior Cat books? They were Warrior Cat books? Yes, they're they're like like, cats. You love a cat book. They're cats, and they're they're intense. They're really intense. You'd know. If you read them, you'd know. They'd scare the life I wanted to show you one thing before we go. Oh, sure. My friend Prescott, who read the book, Send me a picture of this. Wow. So there's another book that he's going to read. What does it say? Playing the Palace. Paul it's Rudnick. Like, do you know Paul Rudnick? No, I don't. I know Paul looks, Rudd. <laughs> and that's what I thought. I was like, because it kind of looks like Paul Rudd. So yeah. it looks like the exact same story. Very similar premise. Playing the Palace. So if you like this, why not try uh, playing the Palace? Well, always good to talk to you, buddy. You too. So good to see you. Happy Pride. All right. So long, everybody. Bye. Bye.